And you can live in the day. What are the important questions to ask yourself for finding your direction in life? Mm. One of the most famous questions in history, in Indian history at least, is uh, who am I? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Who am I? That's the the most famous yogic question. It's also the, the, the origins of cognitive behavioral therapy in the East. Of course, the East method is called yoga. Uh, and then the West coins that cognitive behavioral therapy. But who am I is, is sort of the original question. I think some of the questions that I asked myself in my transformation was, uh, you know, what's the point? What is the true point of life? Why are we alive? Uh, that was big for me, uh, you know, thinking about death. What's the point of being alive and then dying and then what, you know, and, and I think a lot of people um, uh, avoid or forget, maybe it's by design, uh, forget that we uh, die and not die, but that we eventually stop existing in a physical body. Um, and no one escapes that. And that, I think about that a lot, actually, uh, probably on a daily basis, every day. Uh, there are very few days where that doesn't cross my mind. And um, I don't know, for me, sometimes I can feel the imminent touch of death coming and then other days it slips away and and i and i feel um like i won't die do you think i'm just wondering sorry for interrupting do you think that's because of how much you've achieved and how much good you've done and it feels like you've accomplished a lot of what there is to accomplish in this world maybe i'm not sure like spiritually or how to phrase it so it feels like if you die, then, I mean, you don't want to die, but you're prepared for it. If that makes I don't sense. know. It doesn't feel like it's that. It feels like it's, un, it's, it's, it's unprovoked. It's extremely random. And I think for me, it's always been a bit of a spiritual experience because, uh, uh, you know, the, the question, who am I, actually was provoked by this this sudden feeling of death in Ramana Maharishi. And, uh, you know, I, I've always looked at it, you know, my conditioning is really, and my research behind it has always been based off of uh, yogic and stoic philosophy, um, Epictetus, you know, really diving into that question and having it be, you know, memento mori, remember death, uh, having that be a part of uh, your, your philosophy. So that's, I don't think of it as um, having anything to do with, with my life specifically in terms of achievements. 
I mean, in terms of achievements, I have a, I have a lot more to do really. Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, specifically with, you know, raising a family and everything and seeing them, yeah. uh, seeing the full circle of that. So I hope I don't miss out on that, but, um, yeah, that's, that's something that is, has always been big for me. And, and I also remember, um, psychedelics playing a big part of my self-reflection um a friend of mine who i grew up with uh who gave me uh mushrooms psilocybin for the first time he said you'll you'll never be the same and i could tell i could tell he was right i was I don't know. It's so weird. My experience with drugs has been so strange. It happens so randomly and effortlessly. All of the drugs I've experimented with. It's very interesting. Uh, I don't know. In a way, I've been fortunate. And at the same time, I've been cursed. So it's a double-edged sword. Having any drug at, at your fingertips for free <laughs> your whole life. <laughs> um, but I grew up around some very strange people. So uh, I remember the first time I did psilocybin mushrooms, I had a, I had a God experience. I had a, I had an enlightenment experience where I just knew these intense yogic truths. All of a sudden I was like, okay, like that's real. And I, it wasn't that like what well, trippy it was just very clear and so obviously my path was like the die had been cast at that moment or before then and my life was supposed to turn out the way it did as all of ours does and is supposed to but um but but even so i still don't recommend that kind of experience i don't know that's a weird thing to recommend to people that they do mushrooms or something i don't recommend it but if it if it happens to be a good thing for you then i'm i'm happy for you but it's an easy way to get to the root of those questions those self-reflections you know who am i what is life all about and um i mean ecstasy is a very interesting experience it brings you to Satchitananda. That's a, that's a core spiritual experience uh, of bliss and happiness. Like that's an important bedrock on the path to enlightenment is Satchitananda. Um, and you can do that without drugs, right? That like the monks were trained in meditation to get to that state. And that's actually the natural state of, of our minds. Um before um, before uh, experience manifests itself. That's just how we are. That's it. It's just we're, we're all covered up with debris, life debris that we forget. So ecstasy helps kind of like target that, that center in the brain and just floods the brain with it. Um, but it's in there. And you can flood the brain with it without MDMA. Um, but I'd be lying if I said drugs didn't shape my uh, youth and my philosophical understanding of life. 
So there's different ways to go about self-transformation in the beginning of it, but it's, it's yogically, it's, it's performed by questions, you know, those, those core set of questions. Who am I? Where am I going? Where did I come from? Those are the foundations of every Hindu scripture, of every Hindu story. Uh, uh, it's the basis of, of every Eastern philosophical concept. What would be a guide for answering? For the answer? Like, how would you go about answering who am I? Like, do you have like a... Are there things you could say as like a guide for that? Yeah. Um, The the yamas, well, well, no, Ashtanga yoga. That's what Ashtanga yoga is for. Uh, And not vinyasa yoga, not bodily postures. Uh, Ashtanga means eight limb. And the eight limbs of yoga are designed to see the first thing Wikipedia brings you to is, is physical postures that you do in a yoga studio that came later. Um, the eight limbs of yoga, Ashtanga yoga or Raja yoga is such that that's such structure that we're all, uh, essentially searching for, um, that's how we come to know ourselves that that's what a Hindu would say, but really that's just what a mystic would say. That's, those are the oldest teachings in the world in history is Ashtanga yoga. There's nothing older than that. Nothing predates that in uh, early or early civilization, early homo sapien predates that obviously, but I'm talking about uh, advanced early uh, civilization and nothing nothing predates ashtanga yoga no philosophical basis of 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 self-reflection predates ashtanga yoga that's a very important statement to understand yama niyama asana pranayama pratyahara dharana dhyana samadhi those are the eight limbs of of ashtanga yoga so the path itself is yama niyama, okay? Those are uh, restraints and observances. How should I act, right? Codes of conduct. Asana is posture, not like standing on your head, but like the ability to sit and, and, and posture yourself and self-reflect. Okay, that's the beginning of meditation. So there's, there's only three before meditation. The rest are all meditation-based. Pranayama, breath, breath uh, restraint, learning how to breathe and, and hold your breath. Pratyahara, which is sense withdrawal. Dharana, concentration. Dhyana, meditation i mean really that's contemplation and samadhi which is which is self-realization 
Now, that's the simplified version. The monks explained those last steps a little bit more concretely. And uh, I would say the five steps are attention, concentration, meditation, contemplation, deep meditation, or samadhi. So before we get to attention, paying attention, uh, we have yama niyama, right? Character traits that we need to follow so that we, we start asking those types of questions. We won't get an answer from those questions if we are a complete monster or a narcissist. A narcissist doesn't ask, who am I? All right, a narcissist knows that they are the greatest or whatever, down to just not even knowing they're a manipulative monster. So we have to climb up in consciousness to start asking those questions. That, that is the path. That's the answer to your question. <clears throat> and answering who am I, is that how you find meaning and purpose? Well, it's part of it. Because um, there's different levels of meaning. There's different levels of purpose. I can't, I, it's hard to, to explain, but, but purpose is, is, is specific to the moment and the time and the cycle that you're in and the life, the, the day. Like there's life purpose, but there's also family purpose. There's also economic and financial purpose. There's political purpose. And then there's like, the eventual uh, uh, Vishvagrasa of your soul, the merger into God. So that's the ultimate purpose, right? But do we need to talk about Vishvagrasa? No, because that doesn't help us take out the garbage once a week and like be on point with that, right? So there's, there's, there are, uh, it's good to know that the ultimate purpose is for you to, uh, identify with with the essence of life and true joy and true happiness and true love that's a good purpose that's a good place to start and then before that to get to that point our purpose is to like have really good relationships and fix who we are and 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 refine ourselves so that we can leave our house and smile and uplift other people go to work, perform good services, or own a company and employ people and become a good uh, citizen and give back to society instead of take and take and take. Um, so those are the beginning steps to that big purpose. And then, yeah. And what is the reason for that? Is that for fulfillment? <clears throat> the reason for that is because we have to start somewhere and we have to agree on something. You need, like you're saying, what is the structure? Well, that is the structure. If you want to skip that part and go into a cave, you know, that might not work. So I'm saying talking. I agree with what you're saying, but if oh, yeah, like along the path you say, like, why am I doing this? Then is that for fulfillment? Oh, so we always need to remember 
the end goal in order to keep going. Because if you just remember the beginning parts, you'll forget. You always need to remember the goal. Which is what you stated before. Well, yeah. Well, which is whatever your level of meaning is, whatever your purpose is. So like when I teach meditation, I have to know who I'm talking to because I'm not going to teach them samadhi like the the final conclusion for all meditation i'm not going to teach that to a random person when i have a student approach me i have to find out where they are in on their timeline so that i know how to teach them and what to teach them right those are those are the powers of revealing and concealing we can't we can't just talk about everything and, and reveal everything. There are things we can't know. There are things we're not supposed to think about yet. So where do we begin? Where do we, what do we do? Well, it helps to kind of be a good person. So that's a good place to start. That's the beginning of your meaning journey. Like that's why Jordan Peterson and, and many other people throughout history has said, you know, in so many words, clean your room. That's a good place to start. The, is, the, is, the, is cleaning your room going to uh, bring you to the deepest state of meditation and unify your soul with God? No. But, but where do we begin? Well, that's a good place to start. Clean up the place that you, that you live. Did you have anything to continue on that? Um, no, I, okay. I think that's a, that's a, unless you have anything else so, to build on it moral values um yeah you need moral values as well right you need to question yourself what like what values you will live by what moral values you will live by yeah and i love that that conversation with people who who um don't understand that like you get a lot of people who a lot of intellectuals like to say well what's normal how can we agree on this uh, what's right, what's wrong. It's like, you know, it's subjective. Well, not really. Like if everything is subjective in that sense, then we'll never be able to agree on anything. We'll never be able to have a conversation and there's no point in anything. So yes, there is a moral code that you need to live by and agree with in order to become a decent person. There's just, that's just a fact. And that's normal. That's what normal is. I had a client session once where the person, the, the person said, you know, well, well, what's normal anyway? Well, look, I don't go out out of my house every day and like go kill something. Like that's a normal thing to do, to not kill right? We can all agree on that. And if we don't agree on that, we can kind of isolate psychopaths, right? So there is a normal, there is a standard, there is a basic uh, 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 spectrum of decent human. And that has been written out eloquently in the Nicomachean ethics by um, 
Aristotle. How do you spell that? Uh, just type in Aristotle NIC. N-I-C-O-M-A-C-H-E-A-N. Yeah, so right, Plato came before and wrote, oh, created Socrates, perhaps. We don't know. But that's a whole other interesting conversation. Did Socrates even exist? Or did Plato invent him as a character? We don't know. Doesn't matter, really, because he's probably the greatest character ever created. Um, but the Nicomachean ethics try to define the good man or take out man and put in human, because that's what man means. Um, the good human or the happy human. And he has a specific chapter, well, a specific section in the Nicomachean ethics that, that talk about this. It's really beautiful. Um, and it explains that we, we, we all eventually raise our standards to a certain degree and that we, we seek finer things. So the next stage after like becoming a good person is refining your palate, right? Your taste for things, increasing your standards um, in performance coaching and especially elite performance we have to look at every little detail in order to uh, really reach a, a new level of, of human uh, performance, really. We need a new standard, right? A, a, an Olympic level runner cannot just depend on a three day a week exercise routine, right? Seven days a week in some capacity. So it all depends on where we are and what kind of performance we're, we're we're ready for but if we're trying to live our best life we keep things clean around us <clears throat> we keep our language precise as we can relationships are smooth we try not to get into these like arguments and things like that um, and then we try not to eat rubbish right try to eat better foods like enjoy the finer things in life right Try to wear decent clothing that fits right. Um, have a standard for how you look and how you appear to others. Um, so it just goes on and on from there. And that's all part of yoga, oddly enough. Right? That's all part of yoga. Because it goes back to the eventual goal of yoga, Right, all of these outward things help shape the inner things, and the and vice versa. But really, our outward life reflects deeply on who we are inside. I was just reading a beautiful thing yesterday. Um, I remember it. I just bought the uh, Upanishads. Uh, it's a wonderful uh, scripture in Hinduism. Uh, written by it's uh, uh, Smriti. Smriti. There's there's two types of scripture in Hinduism, Smriti and Shruti. And Smriti is is uh, written by man. It's a, it's a distinct uh, word denoting that this is not written by God. This is written by man, right? That's why in the Bible you have read uh, sentences and paragraphs. 
spoken by Jesus and the rest of the text is black, right? That's said by someone else. So uh, Smriti is written by man. Shruti is, is considered written by God or heard by God and simply written by man. So uh, the Upanishads are Smriti uh, written by sages, beautiful stories, uh, really. And there was a part in there that said, this is why it's so important to read. As a person acts, so he becomes in life. Those who do good become good. Those who do harm become bad. Good deeds make one pure. Bad deeds make one impure. You are what your deep driving desire is. As your desire is, so is your will. As your will is, so is your deed. As your deed is, so is your destiny. That is huge. As your deed is, so is your destiny, right? What you do, what you, how you act matters the most because that shapes your life. It's not just enough to think it. It goes on to say, we live in accordance with our deep driving desire. It is this desire at the time of death that determines what our next life will be. We will come back to earth to work out the satisfaction of that desire. Okay, that's reincarnation pretty much. Actually, this, uh, this, this book uh, answered a question that a lot of people ask me. Um, so uh, a lot of people ask if reincarnation, if you can come back as an animal, like an ant or something like that. So uh, uh, what I always said was uh, that, well, what I was taught was that we reincarnate, we can reincarnate into a creature um, as a group, with a group of souls, not just as one soul, with a group of souls. So a cow, for example, is not just one person. It's like 20 people experiencing that kind of restful experience. I don't know. But... So I was reading this the other day, right? And this is like some of the oldest texts. Uh, when, when, did the, when were the Upanishads? I don't know. These are old. And it said that you can, the soul does reincarnate um, into a creature. So that's an off-topic uh, rant that leads to no conclusion. Anyway, but I was reading that yesterday and i thought that was so beautiful um do they have no date so i i was i was enjoying the fact that that the upanishads were mirroring and mimicking what aristotle was saying in the nicomachean ethics uh that would you know and and a lot of famous schools of philosophy say you know uh how we act um, is what shapes our future. Anyway, I don't know how we got started on that, but um, I want to go back to the desire part. So, how do you influence your desire? Can you can you influence? Oh, your well, that's important. That's important because if yeah, if you if you did not have a hand to play in your desire feature, right in in uh, life 
4.0 in your operating system, you'd be in trouble because we have different desires for different parts of our uh, being, right? The body has desires to eat, to be clothed, to be comfortable, uh, to, you know, to satisfy sexual desires, things like that, right? The body wants that. The mind or the intellect wants answers. It desires uh, closed loops in, in men and open loops in women. Um, it, 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 all these desires, right, again, have different uh, hierarchies. And so we want to align our desires with our big goal our big life meaning, our soul, right? Or, or whatever deep part of us that we identify as, right? We want to identify that. So, so Christians will identify their desires by the Bible, uh, Hindus uh, with their scripture and yada, yada, yada. Excuse me. Yada, yada, yada. So how do we do that? Well, we do that by learning about them, right? In, in, order, in order to kind of, and, and we go, and here we go into a realm of mythology and story and lore and tales. If, you know, the battle of good and evil, if I want to be a better person, I have to know what a better person is. So we, we do that with role model and we don't always have role model. That's the problem, right? When I was younger, my role models uh, sold drugs. So to me, I shaped my desires and, and my will and my actions around those values because that was my role model. I thought that was the ticket to happiness. So everything comes down to what we believe will make us happy. So if we want to do better things and bigger things, we have to learn about them first. Or we have to learn about their potential or possibility first. And then we simply start acting out the myth. So when we learn about uh, uh, Sisyphus uh, being uh, uh, being punished to an underworld of where he has to pu push up a rock for eternity up a hill and, and again and again, and that somehow he's found his happiness in this activity. Once we learn about that, well, we can finally understand persistence and dedication. Uh, and once we learn about uh, uh, Frederick Douglass, we can learn about courage. And once we learn about Warren Buffett, you know, we can learn about financial wisdom. So I'm reading men's search for meaning now. Ah, Viktor Frankl. So we can, we can learn about contentment. I mean, ultimate contentment and, and power over your own being. So that's what that's how we shape our desires, right? And it's okay if we're stuck in our current desires. It just means that we haven't read anything recently. We haven't learned anything recently. We haven't watched enough enlightening YouTube videos. And that's fine if instead of reading, you go for YouTube or podcasts, right? I use reading as an example because it's been powerful for me. But podcasts have been very powerful for me as well extremely so you know, we, we we avoid uh we can avoid a lot of uh uh 
uh, depression and, and feeling bad and things like that by just realizing it's time to kind of find a new role model. It's time to pick up a new myth and play that out, right? We act out of imitation. That never changes. It starts as a baby and it goes until we die. We act uh, by imitating. And, and so we need to imitate those things that we want. And asking the questions from earlier to find your direction in life can also give you a desire, right? Influence your desire. Well, that is how it works. Is that different? Okay. No, okay. That, that's a system. That is how, that is the chain in which it is all linked together. By, by our actions are, are, are motivated behavioral sequences that get us to a desired end. That's a presupposition means we already have a desire in mind because of our actions. Yeah. And making sure that that direction is a, like a suitable, not fulfilling is wrong word, but as you were saying before, um, I don't know. I was just saying the right direction, obviously right direction is perspective, but you know, like what the right, the right direction would be. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, the right direction for a long-term investor is a different right direction than the right direction for a day trader. One keeps the shares. The other one gets rid of them <laughs> as soon as possible. Investing. Nice. Yeah. Neither of them are wrong. I mean. Okay, cool. Uh, you need to get going, huh? Yeah. Yeah. This is a good time. <laughs> All right. Right. So uh, I would like to close out, of course, by saying thank you to all the listeners and thank you to all our readers. Exciting announcement for Everything is Your Fault. The book about responsibility is live on Amazon. It's published. It's official. People are receiving their copies in a day or two days. Um, and if you could leave an Amazon review, if you are a reader, it would help me out greatly. Um, Everything is Your Fault is a, uh, a book I wrote um, mostly in a coffee shop about responsibility. And uh, it's about a little bit about the monastery that I experienced um, and life lessons learned along the way. It's apparently a good book. Um, I have good reviews. The only bad review I've heard is that it is too short, but I wrote it short on purpose. And one of my favorite things about it is that it's short. It's to the point. doesn't waste your time. doesn't talk about when I was four years old and uh, I scraped my knee on the sidewalk. <laughs> like it gets right to the meat of the matter of, of what I'm here to tell you in life. And uh, I don't know, I've heard some really good things and, and uh, that makes me feel good. <laughs> so I, if, if some people like it, I have a feeling that a lot of people will like it. Uh, it's short enough to where you can buy it, read it, talk about it and learn from it right away. And I, I just think a lot of people buy books and don't finish them because they're too long. And this is not that book. So that's... Uh, that's what's going on and uh if you're a fan of goodreads it's also 
on Goodreads. You can you can leave leave quotes from it, the book. You can uh, leave reviews about it there. So we appreciate everyone's support and uh, the sales so far have, have been uh, looking good. Um, trying to get, and my goal is to get to the top 100 in philosopher books. It's like almost, it was at like 160 a few days ago. So out of all the philosopher books in the world. So I think that's pretty cool. There's like millions of philosophy books and uh, that's cool to be like near the top 100. Yeah. So um, top 50 is when Amazon starts like putting it on. It's like its own prom- promo thing. So that would be even cool, but who knows? Uh yeah, for, for every meditation thing we've talked about, an in-depth understanding on that, and an actual 30-day meditation program that has not failed anyone that has done it, uh, you can go to zenmind.academy and uh, enroll in our curriculum. Uh, there's a seven-day free trial, and I think it's like eight bucks a month or something. So it's a pretty good deal. Um, and I think that's, I think that's all for now really appreciate uh, everyone and thank god for rokas getting me down here to the wire on this recording um hopefully we'll be 100 percent health by next week yep all right thank you so much uh glad to be glad to be doing this with you and until next time yeah great questions great stuff today thank Rokos. you